Hi, I'm Rajiv. Hi, I'm Venkat. And this is Dharmology. Namaste, Venkat. Namaste, Rajiv. So, Hindu phobia is uh, a term we have all been hearing lately. I have known the term for about 10, 12 years now, but in the last about two years, a lot of people have started to talk about it. I feel it. For our listeners, can you share your understanding of what what Hindu phobia is? Yeah, sim- simply put, Hindu phobia is um, an intense hatred or an aversion for Hindus and Hinduism. So that's how I would define it in a mm. simple manner. Mm. And uh, where 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 do you come across Hindu phobia? So <clears throat> Hindu phobia, you you can see Hindu phobia both in the academic setting as well as in media. And what would be a good example of, let's say, Hindu phobia in media? Sure. So Hindu phobia in media, a good example of that would be the coverage of the um, the removal of the special status for the state of Jammu and Kashmir, mm-hmm. how the mainstream media covered it. Um, that, that would be a good example. And uh, do, do you want me to give you some so more specific examples yeah, of that be, coverage? Yeah, I think it would be interesting if you can probably share with us a little bit about that specific incident, how it was reported in media, and what aspects of it do you perceive as being Hindophobic? Sure. So there were numerous opinion articles that were published um, right after the event, which transpired, I think, on August 5th. So, um, and all these articles heavily criticized and chastised the government of India and anyone that shared the government's perspective. Uh, You know, um, and they they basically used broad strokes to paint anyone that... um, you know, took that perspective as uh, some kind of a hegemon. Hmm. So, you know, a couple of examples would be, you know, there was a opinion article in the Los Angeles Times titled, Trump's silence on Kashmir sends a dangerous signal to the world's autocratic leaders. And this article described the events of August 5th as illiberal and compared it to Russia's annexation of Crimea. Hmm. Okay, and there was another one um, in the Atlantic magazine, which uh, took it to a new level. So, so basically, it was titled "Modi's Kashmir Decision is the Latest Step in Undoing Nehru's Vision." Now, this this article, instead of focusing on the events, on the actual events related to August fifth, resorted to insulting and demeaning. Um, you know, the BJP, the, the, the dominant political party in India, and anyone that shares that party's vision. And, um, you know, it, 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 uh, that particular article had some very um, controversial remarks in it. it you know, if, you, if one were to read it a couple of times um, and, and kind of read it carefully, 
one would note that the author of the article was trying to imply that, uh, you know, Hindus in general, um, you know, drink um, cow urine as some sort of an elixir. Mm. (laughs) That's how ridiculous that article was. Mm. So am I correct in understanding that in this particular scenario, there's two things happening um, within that article that that are worthy of our attention. One is, as you said at the end, that an article on Kashmir, an article on 370, an article on government of India's decisions and policy making um, is talking about Hindus drinking cow urine. So that is one aspect. And possibly the other thing happening is is that government's decision, which is, by the way, very democratic, um, is being conflated, even though India is a secular democracy, uh, religion has no role to play in government, but the media is linking government's decision to a Hindu nationalist right wing as it calls it ideology is is that correct yes <clears throat> yes definitely and you know if you assess the claims in these articles carefully you'll you'll note that they don't hold a lot of water for for example this this description of that event uh the events of august 5th as illiter- illiberal and undemocratic um you know that characterization is very weak because, um, in fact, the actions of that day basically were meant to equalize the rights of all citizens of the state of Jammu and Kashmir. Uh, you know, the Hindu refugees from West Pakistan who didn't have any voting rights or property rights in the states under this, you know, the, the um, changes that transpired as a result of the actions on August 5th, they will now get fundamental rights that were denied to them under the state's special regime. So, you know, that's an example. I can go on and on, but a lot of these claims are um, far-fetched. Yeah, so there's actually a third thing happening in addition to the first two, which is that uh, not only is the reporting taking its readers or attempting to take its readers in directions that are not pertinent to the main subject of the article, they are actually also spreading misinformation. And the primary motivator behind that is to malign India and indirectly then malign Hindus. That's correct. So all these articles, they either have factual inaccuracies or they have what I call conspicuous omissions, Mm. right? Interesting. And And then they have this... Um, you know, the, the Atlantic one was, was really out there, uh, f- sort of, um, an extreme, um, <clears throat> linkage or sorry, a linkage of the events to something that is totally unrelated and, and that is meant to basically demean and, and belittle, um, Hinduism and Hindus in general. Got it. Now, Venkat, a few moments ago, I used a term, and I'm curious about your opinion on it, um, right-wing Hindu nationalist. 
I've come across that term many times, both in print, in on TV, um, as well as uh, some academic, seemingly academic uh, papers as well. What? How would you describe right-wing Hindu nationalist that that moniker in light of Hindu phobia? Right. I think I think it's used as a. Um, it's that terminology is used in a derogatory sense. So anyone that stands up for um, Indian culture or Hindu culture and dares to challenge mm. sort of the predominant view in the mainstream media, um, you know, is, is immediately labeled a Indian, a, you know, a Hindu nationalist or a right wing, a person of the right wing persuasion. And um, it's just a way to basically, uh, you know, to, to, to muffle dissent or, or you know, it, it, to muffle different opinions. Mm. That's how I view it. And then in addition to it being muffled, uh, the media helps spread that term. Uh, it makes, it attempts to make it pervasive in the West where, Concepts such as right wing and nationalist in general have been tweaked intentionally or just have over time uh, themselves have morphed into pejoratives. Is that right. understanding correct? Yes. They, you know, they kind of basically what they're attempting to do is to portray all um, competing opinions as extreme or radical when the reality is their opinion or their portrayal is the one that's extreme or radical. Mm. Uh, you know, it's this uh, lack of willingness to engage in a open and fair debate about the topic. There, there's no, um, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of intellectual dishonesty, right? Uh, there's no willingness to listen and have a meaningful debate. Right. It's, it's sort of like the media um, is trying to say that it's infallible and that its presentation should be viewed as received knowledge. Great point there. Great point. And earlier you used the words they and mainstream opinion and I'm just for the sake of clarity, can you elaborate a little bit on who is they and where does this mainstream opinion originate from? Sure. So they, uh, I'm talking about here, the, the, the mainstream media, the, the New York Times, the L.A. Times, um, Washington Post, and all of these um media outlets, although they, they might not be, you know, it, um, <clears throat> explicitly doing it, they, they are definitely influenced by this notion of, uh, hermeneutics of suspicion, which, which is a, uh, a framework, analytical framework, um, that is prevalent in Marxist and Freudian, uh, or, or actually in, in academia. Indologists use that framework. Got it. Now, that's a perfect segue into 
you earlier talked about media and academia. Let's talk a little bit about academia and Hindu phobia. What is the connection or nexus, if I may use the word there? How do you see it? And what would you want to highlight as the defining aspects? Earlier, you talked about Hindu phobia and its connection or its links with academia. What aspects of Hindu, what nexus or connections uh, do you want to highlight between Hindu phobia and academia? How does that work? And what is what is worth highlighting over there? Basically, th- th- there are two types of frameworks. One is a Marxian framework, and another one is a Freudian uh, framework. Hmm. And and that framework basically um, views all Hindu texts with suspicion, right? And basically, the, the, the approach is focused on assigning and ascribing some sinister motive to these texts and the proponents who who um, and the proponents of those texts. And and basically, under this approach. What these academics do is they try to come up with a very far-fetched interpretation of these texts to discredit the text and its proponents. And this same methodology, um, you know, is being utilized in media, maybe not in the, um, uh, you know, to, in as uh, um, formal a sense, but it's definitely that that principle is underlying the coverage of India and Hindus in sort of the mainstream media that, that uh, I, you know, the examples that I pointed out earlier. Hmm. Now you talked about Marxian framework. I've always looked at Marxist ideology as with a, with a, with an economic bent of mind. And I'm struggling to understand what about that ideology is correlated to Hindu phobia or foments Hindu phobia. What is it about Marxism that is appealing to the aspects of faith or belief or science or whatever that may be other than economics how is right. marxism related to hindu phobia in particular sure so marx was essentially um he didn't just talk about economics he talks about he 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 was essentially a um you know i think in those days the term that was used was moral philosophy and so he's he's in the same genre or in the same category as someone like Adam Smith, who is also a philosopher. Yeah, so he's a philosopher and an economist. So, so was Marx. Mm-hmm. And Marx's philosophy is essentially a materialistic philosophy. It basically rejects metaphysics and you know any any um, um, and any attempt to um, describe reality from a, a metaphysical perspective. 
and and so you know <clears throat> indologists of the marxist persuasion are influenced by his philosophy and they view metaphysical concepts like varna and jati which are important important elements of hinduism as inventions of the brahmins to put themselves in a position of power so they always take all these writings and try to somehow ascribe some um you know sinister um uh plot to why the why that writing was 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 put together got it, it, it mm-hmm. so essentially what you are saying is that marxism at its core has a strong component of being a um materialistic ideology a godless philosophy which it peddles and tries to use as a frame of analysis for every other ideology or philosophy that it encounters and then tries to over- overpower it and then impose upon the view which is totally deprived of the idea of metaphysics and essentially what that turns into then is this is this situation where everything about the culture that it starts to dominate is super simplified or eradicated um anything to do with metaphysics so essentially jati and varn which in hindu philosophy are deep metaphysical concepts are probably super simplified in a simplistic manner to concepts such as caste which are racial concepts which are foreign european specifically in this case portuguese concepts and then it takes out the deep metaphysics out of jati and varn and why they came to be and why they uh how they served the society and cast them into the frame of caste which the europeans used as a tool to rule the world later disowned and then now they want to totally under that garb um get hinduism or they denigrate hinduism for its caste system am i understanding this machinery as it works today yes your your uh, depiction is is accurate got it so hinduphobia exists hinduphobia is an extreme hatred of everything hindu and hindu philosophy it exists in media it exists in academia it is connected to deep down under <laughs> ideologies such as marxism and freudian uh, frameworks is there anything in addition to all of this that you think is worth discussing about uh hindophobia yeah just just before we move on i just want to read very one very short clip that'll give you a, a you know very clear picture of marx so karl marx's analysis of religion led him to the conclusion that while religion appeared to be concerned with lofty issues of transcendence and personal salvation in reality its true function was to provide a flight from the reality of inhuman working conditions and to make the misery of life more endurable religion in this way served as an opium of the people a mere drug 
So mm-hmm. I think this uh, statement um, kind of crystallizes what I was trying to explain earlier. Yeah. And listening to that, a thought that crosses my mind is that in his observation of the plight of the um, proliterate, uh, perhaps Marx was a bit overzealous about correlating or drawing a strong correlation between religion as the opium or elixir of the downtrodden and and the faith aspects of it um, may or may not have been as deliberate about using his ideology to denigrate Hinduism. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that maybe that Marx in particular did not have any hatred of Hinduism. But one thing that is definitely at play is that the statements like that or the core belief as you read it uh, has definitely been hijacked or utilized intentionally by Marxists to weed out from their perspective this idea of religion, faith from societies and cultures around the world make them godless and then whatever is left of them beat them into submission of the Marxist ideology and towards that end goal if they have to use tools like Hindu phobia they will use it if they have to organize as labor unions or other guilds they will do it everything is fair, fair game is that is that am I seeing the world from Marxist point of view um, as it exists, yes, yes, you are. I mean, and and you know whether Marx said something directly about Hinduism or not, he he may have. I I am not aware, but um, he definitely had a you know from his writings, you can tell that he had a strong dislike and almost a disdain for religion. Mm. And so his you know the people who follow his ideology have a similar disdain and um, are bent on, um, you know, destroying or or, uh, incapacitating any um, uh, viewpoints that that predominate, any any religious or philosophical viewpoints, metaphysical viewpoints um, that are prevalent. And if we look at countries like India, what are the channels of Marxist ideologies to get in play in a society like India? Is it organizations like the Communist Party of India or or are there more? Sure, yeah, the Communist Party of India is one channel but i would say there there are a lot of uh, media outlets like the wire the hindu newspaper um you know ndtv there there are many um other channels um and and there are also um you know these so-called uh, um public you know or, or <clears throat> journalists and public intellectuals 
so-called public intellectuals like um, um, Arundhati Roy, Romila Topper. Yes, I mean she's she's a formal academic now. Arundhati Roy is not, but she promotes herself as an intellectual yeah. who who, who uh, can credibly speak about India and and uh, Hindu culture and so on. But um, you know that's her claim. What do you think of folks such as Amartya Sen? Where do they fit in the in this big picture of Hindu phobia, as it may or may not relate to being Marxist inspired? Right, Amartya Sen is 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 an economist, but he's definitely an economist of the Marxist persuasion. Um, I mean, I, maybe you know his his views are are definitely um, influenced by the Marxist principles because, you know, you can tell from the statements he's made and, and, and the viewpoints that he's propounded. So he's definitely um, operating on the same framework or, or maybe not to the full extent of the hardcore Indologist, but definitely um, falls in that same category. Mm. Now, a point of confusion for some listeners may be, how does Marxism create or generate or foment Hindu phobia in countries such as United States, which are so far removed from, the, they in fact hate Marxism? Um, what do you think is at play in the United States when it comes to Hindu phobia? Right. I, I don't know if we can say that everybody here hates or everybody in the United States hates Marxism. Uh, many people don't even know you know, aren't, aren't aware of what Marxist views were, but they're being heavily influenced by it. So the American left is um, heavily influenced by Marxist principles. And, you know, if you think about sort of the social justice movements and the, um, the, the left-leaning media, they're, they're heavily influenced by Marxist ideology. Mm. And... You know, it, it promotes Hindu phobia because there's a general hatred for all religions, and Hinduism happens to be, you know, just one one of the religions that's at the receiving end. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying is that uh, in its zeal for radical equality, the far left far left progressive movement as it exists today, perhaps either intentionally or unintentionally, out of um, maybe misinformation or just ignorance uh, is uh, subscribing to Hindu phobic uh, views, and not only that is then um, then having been hijacked by people who are deliberately anti-Hindu and and uh, anti-India for religious reasons uh, are hand in gloves operating with uh, the far left progressives and uh, making the situation worse, um, uh, spreading more Hindu phobia. Would that, again, be a depiction that you, as, as how you see it? Yes, that, that, is, that is an accurate depiction. So the, the Hindu phobes are hitching a ride with the extreme left in the United States. 
mm. and they're they're bringing them they're kind of feeding them um, Hindu phobic ideas. Makes sense. Makes sense. Earlier, you talked a little bit about the Freudian framework as well. Mm-hmm. I and you and I have talked about this before. It's a it's a dark view of the world. It's a very perverted view of the world. Mm-hmm. Perhaps this is not the time for us and our listeners to go into that psychology or the view as 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 or the vehicle as uh, Freud used, which was sexuality to comprehend the world around him and cast the world in in sexual uh, interpretations as opposed to economic or labor theory or whatever else it may be. So we will not discuss the Freudian mechanism at work. Um, what I am thinking of right now is that there's many aspects contributing to Hindu phobia, but perhaps the most important that we wanted to highlight today was this Marxist ideology, which contributes in a very significant fashion to Hindu phobia that our listeners should be aware of. Um, at least my takeaway from this discussion is that we should not just necessarily look at Marxism as an economic theory or economic model or an economic philosophy or an economic revolutionary uh, thought process, but rather as a social uh, movement as well, which deliberately wants to eradicate out, um, as you said, metaphysics and belief and religion out of society and is therefore on a crusade against anything uh, such as Hinduism that is in its way. And it will not stop at any means. No means are bad means to achieve that end goal as Marx had or Marxists have in their mind, including distortion of the truth, including brainwashing people, including generating self-hatred in them as they are actively doing today in India, which is they're generating self-hatred in Hindus against Hinduism. Um, That is very visible in places like West Bengal, where leaders such as Mamta Banerjee are openly, although identify themselves as Hindus perhaps, or associate themselves with Hindu names and Hindu culture, but are openly attacking Hinduism. Something similar is happening at play in the United States as well. That's that's correct. You know, basically the Marxian um, framework is being used to study uh, society and culture and um, without any um, consideration for how people who belong to that society or culture view themselves, you know, it's basically taking a Marxian interpretation or perspective of people, you know, that saying that, you know, the Marxists know better and they, they know how to, they understand the motives and the, um, the designs of the people who influenced uh, various cultures Right. So, in conclusion, Venkat, what is the antidote? What should 
a Hindu do to fight Hindu phobia? Um, a Hindu first needs to educate him or herself to make sure that he or she can identify instances of Hindu phobia, right? And and understand, gain a good, firm understanding of this Marxian framework of uh, analytical framework called hermeneutics of suspicion, mm. so that they can they can see its its influence in the media and in academia. And when they read things, you know, once they have a good understanding of this framework, they will be able to spot that they'll be able to be, they'll able to read things in a discerning manner and be able to understand the true motivation underlying the opinion article in the media or an academic article that they may read. And my big takeaway from this is that from now on, anything that even remotely comes across as Hindu-phobic, or even if it does not, I at least need to keep my antenna up and alert on trying to spot any Marxist-inspired view of or portrayal of Hindus and, and India in general to spot where the source of this thought process lies. So that said... Um, Venkat, this was very helpful. We'll continue our dialogues on other topics related to Hindus and and Hinduism and Dharma in general. Uh, but I hope that when it comes to Hinduphobia, our listeners have a little bit more appreciation of the forces at play. And at some point later, we'll talk more in detail about what else we can do to make ourselves uh, more aware and equip ourselves with models that we can talk to our friends and kids about when it comes to Hinduphobia. So thank you very much, Venkat. This was enlightening and uh, namaste. Thank you and namaste, Rajiv.